This week's episode is brought to you by SketchWallet. SketchWallet provides some awesome products for artists on the go, like travel size sketch pads, pencils, and of course, let's not forget SketchWallet's feature product, the SketchWallet. It's a handy little high quality wallet made from real durable materials that acts as a wallet for your mini sketch pad and pencil and things you'd normally keep in your wallet. And it fits right into your back pocket or purse. Then when you fill up your sketchbook, they make it easy to refill your sketch wallet with easily reloadable materials that you can order right off the website. So head to sketchwallet.com T-A-N right now to check out their beautifully made leather options as well as their budget and vegan friendly canvas options coming soon. Again, that's sketchwallet.com T-A-N. This is the Animation Network. With this podcast, you get to tune in every week to hear top industry professionals in my network discussing network animation. Our goal here is to bring you effective tips, tricks, secrets, and practices for breaking into and navigating through the current landscape of TV animation. I'm your host, Chris Wimberly. Thanks for tuning into the network today. Hey, networkers, welcome back to the Animation Network. This is episode number 86. And this week, I'm happy to be back in the driver's seat for you today um, with a very special episode. In fact, this one is a tan podcast first. So I'm really excited about that. Never ever have we had this type of job before on the show. And this is part of our big push for the season. Um, We're trying to get some new jobs since uh, you guys always send us amazing emails thanking us for diving in deep, you know, into corners of the industry that you never really get to hear about. So kind of think of it as this is our way of paying you back for all the amazing support you've been giving us. In fact, I just looked at the numbers a minute ago right before recording this, and for 85 episodes, we are nearly at 60,000 downloads just for those 85 episodes. It's amazing. So thank you so much for that support. Um, With that, let's jump into this week's episode with my good buddy, Perry. So uh, cool. Um, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. These these mics are on. They're hot. Wait, how do you say it in the biz? Um, I think saying they're hot is is right. Okay, I'm not sure. Weird. I feel like I'm in the biz, but I don't really know what they say. Actually, yeah, I don't know. Who cares? We make it's a hot mic. It's a hot mic. Don't. It's a hot day, (laughs) with a hot mic. Um, All right. So I'm really pumped for this. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, First of all, uh, how was your day today? My day was great. I drove. uh, I live in Santa Barbara, and I drove to. visit my friend Evan Spiridellis, who is one of the, I don't know if you've heard of Jib Jab, but he's oh, yeah, one, of yeah. the, one of the brothers that started Jib Jab. He's my buddy, and we had lunch. Wow. And uh, I worked on their show, they have the show called Storybots, which is on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. And I did a lot, of, a lot of songs for that. I think I wrote over 50 songs for that. So it's fun to hang out and catch up with him and hear Storybots is doing great. So they're working on their second season. Um, be sure and catch that on Netflix when it comes out. Just plugging it. <laughs> then after, so, so coming to LA, I made a full day of it. After having lunch with Evan, I met my friend Michelle uh-huh. at Amazon. She works at Amazon in the, the, where they make the cartoons, kids' cartoons and stuff like that. And so I had coffee with her. We talked about all the cartoons they're making. Mm-hmm. 
you pro all you animators, you could maybe have a gig there because they are making a lot of stuff. I heard about that. And uh, they just bought Whole Foods, Amazon did, so you might be able to get some kind of uh, discount on uh, those boutique uh, vegetables they have there. <laughs> so, uh, and then after that, I drove here to Eagle Rock to meet with you, Chris. That and sounds like a wonderful day. It was a great, it was a, the drive, I used Waze, and I think I drove on every street in Los Angeles to get here, <laughs> but it was nice. I saw a lot of stuff. Pretty yeah. sure I went by Disneyland. But um, anyway, I'm here now at this lovely uh, art gallery, and this is great. Yeah, the Pop Secret Gallery. Um, awesome. And so here you are. So can you do me and everyone a favor who's listening to this? Can you just um, introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Perry Grip, and I am a songwriter, a musician, sort of a professional goofball. Uh, pardon me. And uh, I uh, have written music that some of you may have heard. A lot of it's on YouTube. I have a pretty popular YouTube channel. I wrote uh, a song called Raining Tacos, which is popular with a lot of children and uh, people that like tacos. And uh, long, long ago, my band Nerf Herder uh, did the theme song to a TV show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which a lot of people know, and they know us from that, that show. And uh, I have written music for... Uh, uh, ben 10 Omniverse and uh, Marvel Superhero Squad. Uh, I did a song and was a guest character on Phineas and Ferb. And I was the composer for the Disney cartoon, The 7D, which featured our good friend Chris here on uh, storyboarding. <laughs> yes, that, that is exactly where we met. Um, that's awesome. That's a perfect intro, too, because uh, you tapped into some things that, as I ask you these questions, which I promise get more and more challenging, um, they, you've already kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of that stuff. So that's perfect. Um, on that note of how your experience kind of snowballed into your um, animation experience get, or breaking into it, can you sort of explain how you, how you got your first big break into animation specifically? Well, um, so it's all been through a lot of luck, I have to say. I wish I had a great tip for anyone, but just try to be as lucky as you can. Uh, my, first, my first animated thing that I was part of was uh, I wrote a song that was a pitch for a, uh, an advertisement for frozen waffles, and the song was called Do You Like Waffles? And this song, uh, I put it up on my little Perigrip website, and a guy I didn't know but now know very well named Nathan Mazur, he uh, animated the, uh, made a uh, flash animation to the song, and he put it on a site called Newgrounds. This is before uh, YouTube, mm -hmm. and uh, it became really popular. It was like a viral video back in 2000, or yeah, like probably like 2005 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of kids knew this song from this, uh, this animated video that uh, Nathan had made, um, just picking up on the song uh, out of, out of, off of my website. And so uh, that was kind of my first introduction to the power of animation because yeah. it was, I had been, been in this band Nerf Herder and we had made music videos and we're on a major label and we're on MTV, but this simple animated video for Do You Like Waffles had a much wider audience than I ever dreamed possible for something like that. So that was my introduction to the power of animation. 
and and shortly after that, uh, my first like real um, like animation, like a cartoon network, and it was the Cartoon Network, was a, f- a guy I knew was the music supervisor for a show called Marvel Superhero Squad, and he asked me to pitch for the theme song for that show, and uh, I did that, and I got the the song, and so that was my first real like network animation type gig, and uh, it was neat to be to like turn on the TV and see your song going to some uh, cute looking uh, Marvel characters. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) No, that's so good. Um, And I can't even imagine, uh, partially because I'm not a musician, I can't even imagine like where to start with something like that. Just because, you know, when you, when I think of the theme song for anything, let alone animation, but maybe especially animation. Um, I mean, this is like the the thing that people latch onto. It's the thing that people break out into song over in unison within a crowd. You know, I've I've seen the power of theme songs. Sure, DuckTales. DuckTales is very powerful. (laughs) And you know, like a thousand people right now just went woo when you said DuckTales. Yeah, I can hear you. Because of the theme song. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, So what I'm curious about then is what might be two or three ways that uh, composing for animation is different than other projects that you've made music for? Well, um, I guess, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it as being different. I just thought, you know, usually what happens is you, you get, like if you're asked to pitch for a theme song, mm-hmm. you, uh, they'll say it's called Marvel Superhero, or it's called Superhero Squad. And then they'll have like a couple key points they want in the song. And it's kind of just writing, like I just was just wrote like a regular song, like I would write for my band. Mm. So it was kind of a rocking thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I always, I kind of act instinctually. So I try to go with the first thing that pops into my head and, uh, and do that. Mm. That's wrong a lot of the time, but sometimes, (laughs) sometimes you get lucky and it's right. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. I guess for some reason, I mean, well, I guess it's probably safe to safe to say that everybody's process is different. Sure. So, but I guess I just for some reason imagine, you know, maybe it's because I've heard stories like legend stories of you know Disney composers or whatever, like thinking, oh, we're gonna stay within these this particular bracket of chords or you know whatever it's gonna be. To, to get a certain mood or something like that. But. Sure, sure. And I think that, I think that um, like I said, I, I act kind of instinctually, and part of it's that I'm not really a trained musician. Um, and so it, I have a very limited wow. uh, limited ability, but I, I think that helps in a lot of ways because you just, I can either do what I do or I don't do it I don't try to do stuff I can't do but um so it's it's kind of simple I I do simple things and I think that's why they are kind of easy to for them to be catchy and stuff like that Mm. I don't uh I don't know uh too much theory or anything like that I just try to go with something simple yeah this is coming from a guy who's won an Emmy for his music that's true I did win an (laughs) Emmy thank you yeah so um that's really funny that you're saying this uh but super fascinating because I I did not know I wouldn't have guessed that you were not classically trained to be I, a musician. I'm not, and you may you may watch the seven. I'm going to tell you now about the seven D because I was hired 
to write the songs for the 70 and the theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, after I wrote the theme song, they picked co- the composer based on who wrote the theme song that they liked. So, they, so I got that gig through the theme song, um, which was nominated for an Emmy, but did not win. I remember that, yeah. But uh, so I was hired to do that, and I was hired to do the underscore. So there's two parts for music for animation. There's when you write the songs that the animators, like Chris, animate to, and then when you do the music afterwards to the animation to to uh, further the uh, you know emotional content or something like that. And so I was hired to do to write the songs, which I had written a lot of songs and felt confident and to do and to do the underscore which is the scoring later on to the picture and um, I w- was very insecure about doing the underscore and what I learned pretty quickly was that I'm terrible at it and should never do it <laughs> and so I we we found someone else to do most of the underscore so wow. I actually did the songs and I came up with some of the themes the mm-hmm. like little musical themes that you associate with characters and I did some of the underscore initially, but it was really not natural thing for me to do. And I think that's, I think that's probably good advice for someone who's whatever art you're is, whatever art you're you're doing is like, if you're naturally kind of intuitively good at something, you should try to do that. Maybe, and if something's really doesn't make sense to you, maybe, you know, avoid it. So, but it was interesting trying to do underscore. But I I, I would avoid it at this point for me. The guy we hired is a guy named Keith Horn, and he is, was so incredible and so natural at doing the underscore for that show. The, sh- the underscore is incredible. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's beautiful, and, and uh, that guy should have an Emmy, and he probably will have a closet full at some point, but. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Man, you, you actually read my mind for what was gonna be my next question, because I've always been really curious about um, how that's done and in this case it took two people to get it done between a theme song and even the 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 character songs that you did throughout the episode sure yeah versus yeah the underscore yeah yeah the underscore it's a very different uh, kind of and you have to be really trained this guy keith is just like theory super theory guy and and very skilled musician and very intelligent and a super nice guy too yeah well, hire him for your out. next movie you make. Oh, he's probably booked up because he's so good. I'll keep an eye out for him then, for sure. Um, back to you then, specifically, um, mm-hmm. with the range of projects that you you have worked on, whether it was Marvel or Disney um, projects. Um, what sort of music principles do you consider then, um, based on the projects you're designing for? Oh, what do I think about different? Uh, you know, like I said before, it's kind of instinctual. Like I, I try to ignore a lot of the notes that I get because I think that <laughs> I think that what ultimately what you want if you have a show is you want a, like a memorable, catchy theme song that kind of drives home the f- spirit of the show. And I, I feel like that's really the only direction you need to give a composer. Let them, you know. I like just getting what the for the seven D. It was just like, oh, these it's cute and it has, it's fun and it's there's adventure and action and stuff. We need something fast and and so it kind of uh, it uh, was just uh, whatever popped in my head at the time. And I think that recently I was asked to pitch for something and there were so many directions on what they wanted. I I just uh, you know I didn't I didn't pitch because it was like I it's mm-hmm. like kind of debilitating trying to yeah. think keep all these things in in your mind so 
That's anyway, that's my, and, and that's also like one thing I do is I have a, my YouTube channel is a big part of my, my income and I'll, I'll hire animators to do things and I, I think it's best to, I don't know anything about animating, so I'll say, hey, just do whatever, uh, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you think is going to look cool because it's you know, usually surprising. It's better than anything I would have thought of. So yeah. uh, I think it's important to let the people you're working for you the composer or the artist just, you know, you're hiring them because you think they're good, so let them come up with their thing. Yeah, that's great. Um, man, these are far better answers than I could have expected because <clears throat> my pa my brain is going down one path and you give this different answer that's extremely valuable. Um, so I, I'm really liking this so far. Um, but kind of off of what you were just talking about, if you sort of analyze your actual process and you think about, okay, when you're, when you're breaking ground and you're getting started on a score, what does that part of the process look like for you? So um, what I usually do is, and typically it's like coming up with a song, so I would say, uh, like, <laughs> the easiest thing is when, when you someone we need a we need a song for this show called like uh, you know Ben Ten yeah. you go okay Ben Ten that's I'm gonna start with that then you like think of your little Ben Ten how does the rhythm of it go you kind of imagine the rhythm in your mind usually I'm like pacing around I have a <laughs> I have a little recorder thing on my phone so I'll be pacing around or I'll be swimming and I'll like jump out of the pool and sing in there okay it's gonna be Ben Ten etc cetera, etc cetera, right whatever thing yeah. you want to say and so then you uh, you know then I'd pick up my guitar and I might like strum out a thing with the guitar mm -hmm. and uh, and then I I would put that into Pro Tools and Pro Tools is the sort of like Microsoft Excel of music it's like the thing that you do all your your music in and so I would uh, then you know flesh out the idea with drums and guitars and synths and stuff like that and and kind of play with it and see how it uh, how it works and if I you know just do that with different ideas until something clicks mm -hmm. um, you know it's weird you can get on sort of a streak I think any artist is like this like you get on the streak where you're like oh man I'm really killing it this time and then <laughs> yeah. you're on you're on this like oh man nothing I'm doing is good you kind of it happens to artists because you're kind of reliant on a certain amount of like magic to do this stuff so I mean I'm sure it's that way with with uh, visual artists too so um, yeah yeah you got to just keep cranking, cranking stuff out until something's good. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to agree with you. I was going to say, man, you're talking the language of every artist right now. Like, I can't even tell you how uh, many times I've gotten on those hot streaks and then get just hit a wall right after that. And it seems like nothing you can do will yeah me out of that as soon as you think you're good you're you're bad <laughs> you're, you're reminded of the harsh realities yeah um also you said something else that was kind of interesting to me um about working with other artists and things um have you ever composed backwards where you see the art first and then write to that you know um i actually have had to do that uh with a few times on the 7d they were like uh-oh, we need a song in here that this part's already done. So you have to go in afterwards and, and write a song. It's pretty easy, actually. Oh, okay. um, and also doing work for ad advertisements, sometimes you get kind of a cut of the ad and they want, uh, you know, they want a song sort of cut to the action. And mm. so you will, uh, 
you know, have to sort of do it to that. And it's actually pretty easy. It's probably, I, I don't know how you guys storyboard, but you just, you know, you have a timeline and you're like, I need to hit this point, hit this point, hit this point. That suggests a tempo for the music. And then you, uh, you go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's pretty similar. Well, I guess it, it varies from show to show how we board. Sometimes we're boarding just from black words on a white page. That's it. Sure. And, you know, that's his can be as debilitating as you know anything else just starting with this like idea of like you know just kind of this vast open plane of what you know possibilities you can do and then sometimes yeah we do get I've worked on shows where you get uh, the audio pre-recorded from the actors and now you can animate or draw an act to their acting Mm -hmm. which is um Easier for a lot of people, not as easy for some. Was um, that how the 7D was? It seemed like they recorded... Yeah, so here's the tricky part. <laughs> then there are shows where they tell you <laughs> that you're going to get the audio at the top of your um, you know, new handout, new episode, and maybe only three of the seven dwarves were able to record that week, so they got to oh. wait, and then they wait until everybody can record everything and then they get it to you but out of your six weeks to have that thing drawn um four of them are gone and then you you get the audio yeah then you have to like backtrack and try to manipulate what you have to fit it and sometimes they come up with all this extra stuff that you're like where all this come from and it's just because they were in the booth ad-libbing and having a blast sure and you're you're like you know somebody has to draw this stuff right like you can't just get in there and (laughs) But, you know, it's all hilarious stuff. Like, I mean, just yeah. amazing material, but, you know, that does fall on in your lap. So, yeah, it, it varies from show to show. Now but. I feel bad because I know, especially in the first season, I really lagged on a lot of the music that had to be, <laughs> had, had to be animated to. Yeah. That's, I remember Tom Warburton saying, they're just sitting there waiting to draw. You've got to get this thing ready. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, all you guys, Chris, you're it, probably sitting there. It it happens actually, but there was a couple of times. Like, I think there was one episode I did, which um, it was the one you did, uh, the yoga one where Queen Dewa. Oh yeah, and it had the like yoga ho. It had some like '80s yes. song. Yes. Yes. I yes. spent a lot of time on that. Yeah, and there was <laughs> the opening song though. By the way, because there was a couple songs in there. Yeah. The opening song. Uh, had multiple versions of it. There was like one where Happy's rapping and another one where he's doing his normal just guitar thing. Yeah. And I picked the one that I liked the most and that's rare because you actually gave versions. And I'm, maybe that was something that, that Tom Ruger asked for up top or maybe, I, I don't really know what the, the reason hmm. was, but it was pretty cool. It's too bad that did. Oh, but you got to pick the one. Yeah, yeah, I'll show it to you. I I still have the boards for it. Oh, I, I want to see one. that. Yeah, I kept the original boards for that one and that Jolly Yoga Hi Ho. That's what it yeah. was. Jolly it was yoga, like an '80s thing or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very like Eye of the Tiger kind yeah. of Rocky. Oh thing. man, yeah. I spent so much time on that. Uh, I guess that happens to everyone though. You probably spent a lot of time on it too. Uh, and don't it's like get me started just on locked that, in a man. hard drive somewhere. Yeah, don't. Don't get me started on that. That's, That's the business, though. It is. That's the it, gig. It really is. That is, yeah. Um, okay, so here's a question I've always wanted to ask a composer, especially I think you're great for this question because of your YouTube channel and such, but what do you think makes a song as memorable as it is um, when making music for a kid's show? 
Oh, wow. Well, I think, I think a kid's song is just like an adult song without swearing in it. You just take <laughs> okay. out, you write your song, you remove all the swearing, any references to adult activity, beer, you change that to like nachos or lemonade or something, and then that's your kid's song. But I think kids like songs that are, they, um, I think they like the kind of songs that adults like and that maybe adults who think they're cool act like they don't like, but that they do like, like a catchy song. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I think, I just think it's the same. I try not to think of it as for a kid's song because then you're like playing a kazoo or something. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's, maybe because as I listen to a lot of your other stuff like on YouTube and think of songs like all of the 70 songs, there's a particular vibe and maybe that's not so much a kid vibe, it's your style sensibilities that that gives it that catchiness? I think my style is just sort of appealing to kids and I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> I was, um, when I was young in college, I really wanted to be cool and I wanted to be in like a, I had read this interview with a guy named Lou Reed who was nice. a famous rocker guy. And he had said that he wanted to write rock music for adults. And I, I read that interview and I said, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to write rock music for adults. And so during college, I got together with some other people who were playing guitar. And one of the women was like, you know, you're just a natural for kids music. That's just exactly what you should be doing. And I got really mad. And I was like, <laughs> what? I think I ran out and bought a leather jacket and like <laughs> some really dark pierced. shades. And I was like, <laughs> no way am I doing that kids music but then uh it just I mean I didn't try to do it it just happened to me yeah I fought it but then you know that's it's like kids like when my band and when Nerf Herder got signed we our first tour was with this band Weezer that everyone knows this band Weezer yeah and I thought okay we're going to go out on tour with Weezer and we're going to be playing for people and they're going to be like 20 something people cool people and, but we, we got out there and I remember walking out the first time on stage and looking out and it was like all 13 year old kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're still playing. Wow. <laughs> this is our audience, yeah. which is, a, a, you know, kind of lame of me to be that stupid at the point. But I love, I love 13 year old kids. If you're 13, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, they keep us employed. Yeah, so. it was just, it was, it was like, I was very uh, not self-aware of what I was good at, I guess. Sure, sure. And that, that right there is another golden nugget to walk away with uh, for people listening because, I mean, there's a lot you can do once you know who you are. Yeah, that's you know? really true. That's really yeah. true. Yeah. And, you, and you have to be open to, like, I wasn't really open to listen to what that lady said. Yeah. But if I had at that point said, oh, that's what I'll do, that probably would have saved me like 20 years of other stuff. <laughs> 20 years of heartache. <laughs> heartache of why don't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, by the way, I think I just, I don't know if I've ever told this to you and you have an Emmy that tells you, but the song that blew me away on 70 was the Jollywood spa song. Like, that Thank one was you. just, that's the one you went, got the Emmy for, right? That would, no, that was the one it, it was nominated. Oh, that was not the Emmy was for the, um, I'm not very nice song. The oh, the Hildy song. And, right. and I agree. I, th I think that Jollywood spa song is a better song. Yeah. 
um, I don't know how the Emmys work. I mean, I'm incredibly grateful and honored to have been nominated as it won. I mean, that's like unbelievable. I still can't believe it. But um, yeah. you, I just, you know, I, I thought that other song was a better song. But It blew me away when I heard it because I, you know, it's, I don't know if you know what it's like to have to sit there and listen to these songs over and over and over and over and it over. It must be a torture. <laughs> um, depends on the show. Depends on the songs. Depends on the art. It depends on a lot of things. But on the 7D, because they have that kind of same Animaniac-esque vibe to them. Yes. Um, where they're kind of show tunesy, but kind of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking Anthony a little bit yeah uh yeah I was they're they're ones that like if I have to listen to them too many times it is daunting but that one I remember I got up from my desk to walk over to the directors and I'm like have you heard this song yet like this song is amazing and I actually wasn't the one who boarded the full I did some revisions to that song at the time the person I think who actually boarded it was maybe Doug McCarthy I think that was a Doug board Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was amazing. Well, song. I appreciate hearing that because yeah. you, you know, the weird thing about I don't know if you get this, but you you write these songs and they get approved, and you know it's sort of like they don't really tell you anything other than it's approved or it's not approved, and then <laughs> it's approved and you're like okay, and then you never you never get any feedback or I never did, and I, this is something I really wanted was like the director or the producer to say, oh, we, this song, everyone loved this song the most. This song's okay. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like it's so good to hear that one of the songs people actually liked. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Everybody <laughs> celebrated that song. It was, that was a good song. Um, and you just kind of brought up something else for me real quick too. Um, in the way that you explain that part of your, your thought process, it sounds like, and I know this, you were not in the studio. You actually work, as a composer, you work remotely, right? Yeah, you work at home. It's, I think that's like that with all composers. You're kind of working by yourself. It's kind of lonely. Like I found that I really, like it was an hour and a half drive each way to get to the Disney studio for the previews. And you would sit there for the preview for like half an hour and then drive back home. Yes. But I just loved going down there and, and seeing what, how everything was put together and, and seeing people like, cause you really like you, it's, it's kind of lone, like the music people, you're always kind of isolated cause you have to be listening to stuff and you can't be uh, hanging out with, I mean, I, I assume you guys sort of work individually too when you're doing your thing, but at least you're in a room with other people or there's other people around. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a blessing and a curse. You know? Oh sure. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it could be it, either it, way, but I will say when I've, done a lot of freelance from home I, I understand that yeah like I'm definitely like type a personality like I'm rarely at my desk you can find me roaming around talking yeah. to other people not doing what I'm supposed to do yeah and um yeah so I yeah anytime I have to work from home for extended periods of times is very difficult for me yeah working yeah. at home it really makes you crazy and then you're then you like you'll go out to uh you know coffee and like you're talking to the person serving coffee like you're telling them your life story because they're the only person you've talked to. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> this is good. Um, this interview is going to go on for two days straight. <laughs> yeah, you got to get it all out. All that talking you've been bottling up um, can come out now. Uh, all right, well, maybe that 
actually gives me a segue to the next question, uh, which is what advice might you have or would you give someone who's interested in getting a job like what you do as a composer? So um, I my job came around uh, sort of accidentally, uh, not accidentally, but basically I started making YouTube videos with my songs just for fun as a way to not go nuts. Um, I love doing music. I was in a band and we toured a lot, but we decided to stop. And I thought, oh, my, my music days are over. I'm going to sell all my gear. But then I, start, I made that song I told you about, um, the Do You Like Waffles song. And that was really popular. And I thought, oh, I could just crank out little cute songs like this. And so I started doing a song a week. And I would put YouTube videos up for these songs. Um, and pretty quickly, like within the first six months, and I was really just doing it to goof around. I didn't think anything would happen. Um, the video, video started becoming really popular. I had one called Hamster on a Piano. And it was very, it was like, you know, it's had, it was like the number, Time Magazine's number four viral video of that year, of 2008. Wow. And so uh, I just started, you know, I got a lot of attention for these. And what happened was, I just was doing it for fun. But eventually I got jobs working for, like I did a record for Hallmark for their character Soups and Yo-Yo. I did, yeah. uh, like, started doing advertising. I did, and, and I was called, my, the reason I was at Disney was that Eric Coleman, um, from Disney XD, mm-hmm. thought, hey, let's bring this, my, he and his wife watched the videos. They're like, hey, let's bring this guy in and see if he has any ideas for shows. So I came, was brought in, and I met with Matt Danner, who's this awesome guy who's on Muppet Babies right now. He, uh, you know, to pitch ideas, and I was kind of like, well, I don't really have any ideas to pitch. I, I don't have anything. And he's like, well, just write down some titles or something. I was like, okay. Wow. So, so, but while I was in the office, where, which was the Sonora office, um, my friend John Mathot, who I knew from years and years ago, was there, and he went to the music supervisor and said, hey, this guy Perry Grip, who writes this music, is, is here at Disney. You should meet with him. So, so I went, went and met with Jay Stutler, who's the vi- VP of music, music there at uh, Disney Television Animation. And uh, he, uh, he said, oh, we'll have you pitch for things. And so he had me pitch for a couple things, and pretty quickly I got the 7D, and that yeah. was... Uh, that was how that happened. It was just basically like me making goofy YouTube videos led to, led to me getting in there. And I think that, I think this is like a really good, and it has continued to be a really good thing for me, the YouTube thing. It's like a great outlet. Like if you do some, if I write a song and no one likes it, I can make it my own song. I don't, like if I wrote mm-hmm. it for the 7D and got rejected, I could say, oh, I like this song. I'm gonna make it my own song and put it on my oh, YouTube okay. channel. Um, so, I think that a lot of animators do that. Um, this woman who I'm doing a song for her pilot, her name's Vivian Madrano. She has this really cool style and very popular YouTube channel. And she is doing this pilot called Has Been Hotel, which is like an adult. There's like all kinds of swearing and crazy stuff in there. But um, anyway, it's sort of different for me to do it. But she used YouTube to get to launch her, her thing, which I think is more and probably more and more common for yeah. uh, for animators now but for for doing music it's great because it, it doesn't uh, you know people are always searching on youtube for stuff so yeah yeah i mean and that just gets to the heart of what it is like do do what you love and the work will come yeah i was doing what i love, I, mean, I still do i feel like i feel like for me because i work kind of instinctually i it's only stuff that i like that i can actually do <laughs> when i try to do stuff that that I'm not, you know, 
not uh, kind of, my heart's not in it. It doesn't turn out very well usually. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's so good. Um, so I really only have a couple questions left for you, and then I'll let you uh, head back out in, into the heat. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, um, what do you think are some things that you do outside of work that uh, helps to keep your creative mind and energy feeling fresh? Hmm. Well, let's see. Outside of work, I really like pacing around. And I think this is, this is going to sound really crazy, but um, I feel like my best ideas come in the morning when I'm like standing up making oatmeal or walking somewhere or taking a shower. If I'm sitting down, I feel like I never think of anything good. Yeah. So um, I guess just pacing around is one thing I do. <laughs> but um, also just anything that kind of um, like inspires you. I mean, you watch a movie or probably the same with artists. You watch a movie or you look at a, a, another artist's work and it makes you think, um, oh, like that's a different, I can sort of utilize that thing. I love, I'm a huge music fan. And so I listen to, you know, you listen to a David Bowie song and you're like, oh, this is a, like, I want to try to do something like that. You know, mm -hmm. obviously you're not going <laughs> to copyright and fringe on David Bowie, but you might take some, you know, feeling of it. So yeah. I think just seeing other stuff and seeing what other people do, getting inspired by other people. I mean, I try to always be a fan of stuff, and I think that's, I think that's important. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think what's interesting that you said there, too, I, I'm, I'm very much the same way in terms of needing to move. I think just physiologically keeping the blood flowing is going to yeah. produce better ideas and better thought process. But... What's really interesting about that is, you know, I've heard interviews and read articles about these like super high performing um, like executives and CEOs and creators of this and founders of that. And a lot of them will actually um, take their meetings on walks like huh. outside. Like, you know, you've seen those treadmill desks. And yeah, stuff I've like seen that. that. Uh -huh. Like they look funny and, and absurd. And it's like, oh, is it like a vanity thing? But a lot of times it's for that high proficiency. Like, yeah, just keep your blood moving. Yeah. And and like you said, as sitting stagnant all the time, you know, at a desk and, or or just sitting in general, it, it doesn't help to produce as much. I don't. Yeah. Think, you know. I think it distract like walking around or looking at, you know, walking around your neighborhood, it distracts you enough to let ideas pop into your head. Like you kind of, you kind of have to let these ideas come to you. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, actually, it's funny because I, so I do like, um, like I teach a mentor, storyboard mentorship. Oh, uh huh. And oh, yeah. one of the things that I've built into it is at the top of every hour, we get up for five minutes. And when I first give this instruction on day one of the course, people think maybe I'm joking or they're like, oh, OK, yeah, well, if we get there, we'll do that. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like there is a timer like we get up. Um, it's, it's virtual. It's via Skype or you know, Google oh, Hangouts. Sure. Mm -hmm. But like literally get up and I leave the room. I walk away from the computer, from everything. I leave it all on. And then we come back after five minutes of a recess to just like, yeah, get that gunk. Yeah, you know, circulating and and uh, get water, do whatever you have to do, you know. Yeah, it's a, really important now because like when I don't know how old you are, but I'm super old. I'm almost fifty years old. When I was a kid, you yeah. kind of 
you kind of had to walk around just if you wanted to do anything. But now it's really easy to just sit there and look at your phone or your, yeah. your iPad or whatever. But in the old days, like you wanted to like change the channel, you had to get out of the chair and walk <laughs> over and click the thing over. You had to get some yeah. extra. So it's so I think that's really important to keep move physically moving around. Like that's good. Yeah, I I agree with that. That's awesome. Um, all right. So my last question for you then. Um, when thinking about your career, uh, what inspires you to bring passion to your job every day, even after as long as you've been doing it? Hmm. Well, I guess the thing that I feel, first of all, I feel incredibly lucky to be writing music and having, you know, for shit TV and for YouTube and so that people listen to it. I mean, it's like I never imagined that. I just, it was something I did for fun. And uh, I think that the thing that keeps me um, interested in it is I always try to, everything I do, I try to have it be kind of an experiment so that I learn a little bit from it. Um, if you, when the good thing I did, I really crank out a lot of songs. And when you crank out a lot of stuff, probably drawings or anything, you can, you can experiment because you know, oh, I'll be doing another one next week, or I'll be doing another one in a couple of days. So if I screw this one up, it's okay. It kind of gives you this leeway to really, um, you know, try out all kinds of different stuff. And I think that's the important, like if you're doing some kind of art, like just crank out stuff and enjoy. And if you don't like, if you don't like cranking stuff out or you don't like drawing a lot, you might think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, you know, I lo I just love it. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't um, you know, and I don't take it for granted. I'm really, really uh, feel happy to do it and very lucky. Yeah, I guess that would definitely keep the passion alive. I mean, there's the old cliche, which is a cliche for a reason that, you know, if you love what you do, then you'll never work a day in your life. Sure. I um, think that's true. I think, I think that's only half the truth. Because I, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the other half of that truth is, sure, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. But then if you love what you do, then you're always doing it. Yes. And then you're like, that's you're really always, true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I think that too, like when someone says, like, what hours do you work? I think like, I work like 24-7, man. Exactly. I have to think of ideas constantly. Yeah. And you kind of are always on call to your own uh, thing that you do. Yeah, I mean, just even as something for even like visual artists, like, yeah, sure, we may not be drawing this storyboard right now for this show, but I'm working on my own thing, or I got to draw something to post on Instagram, so I'm staying relevant, or I got to yeah. help somebody with their project that I promised them I would help with, or, you know, I'm teaching these mentorships, or getting ready for this art con, or doing, you know, it just never, never stops. Yeah. So, sure, you never work a day in your life, but you're also never off a day in your life either or something I don't know <laughs> whatever it's that means it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> yeah yeah um, awesome. but we're lucky we're, we work in the great business absolutely I agree great well this has been amazing um, I can't thank you enough and um, if there's anything I can ever do for you as well thank um, you very much thanks for having me on here yeah I, absolutely. I would like to throw uh, something out there I sure I uh I'm making a lot of videos for my YouTube channel. That's my focus right now. 
and I do uh, hire animators to animate the, some of the songs. I'm super cheap because I'm one guy, but uh, I can pay some money to, to, to do that. So if you're interested in animating to a Perry Grip song, just uh, contact me and say, like, uh, you know, if your specialty is cats or nachos or whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, that's my that, plug for me. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I will allow it. That is great. Um, thanks for doing that. And um, what I'll also do is with every single episode, I always make a little profile for that episode um, with any contact information that you want to share so they can find you on that as well. That sounds great. And it'll link to your YouTube channel too. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. This has been super great. Thank you so much. Thank and, you, Chris. Um, I'll let you know when this puppy comes out. All right. Thank <laughs> you, everyone. All right, friends, that's it for this week. We know that there's hundreds of thousands of animation podcasts at your disposal, but we greatly appreciate that you continue to listen to us every week. And don't forget, if you want to check out more about Perry, like his amazing YouTube channel, then be sure to visit theanimationnetwork.org slash podcast to look up his profile, or anyone else from the entire catalog for that matter. And, as a hack, that's where you can also listen to all of the back episodes of this podcast, since some podcast listening apps only show you the latest, like, 20 episodes or whatever it is. Um, anyway, so that's it for this week, friends. Thank you all so much for tuning into and being part of the Animation Network. Don't forget to check out all of our extras online. Visit theanimationnetwork.org for events and news and helpful services. And connect with us on Twitter at TAN underscore podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash animation network podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the free newsletter and YouTube channel for additional content to boost what you've already learned here. So much free stuff. Go, go now.